This is the Asian Madness Podcast, a podcast where we discuss all things true crime, morbid, mysterious, and odd from the Asian continent. I am your host, Jessica. Hello friends, welcome back to the Asian Madness Podcast. Hope you guys are well and thriving in the year 2024. Always remember to prioritize your health, mentally and physically, because without it, life will be extra tough. I was sick for an entire week a while ago, and it really makes you miss being healthy and being able to function properly. Anyway, enough nagging from me. Today's episode is less about a case, but more of a personal fascination I have with a certain place and the activity that's being held at that place. It won't be murdery or scary, but it's definitely a bit on the odd side of culture. So, to start, how many of you are married or in relationships leading towards marriage? Obviously, I don't know the demographics of my listeners, but I would say in general, people tend to get married or get into long-term relationships. It's what we've been doing for ages. It's what some people believe to be the natural course of life. But why do we get married? Why do you want marriage? And more curiously, why do other people, relatives or friends, care if we get married? I know in many cultures, this marriage mentality is solidly ingrained. For example. You go to a family gathering and you have to see a bunch of relatives you're not close to, and that uncle or auntie who just can't stop expressing their opinions suddenly turns to you and says, Are you seeing anyone? You have plans to get married? Better work on that. You're not getting any younger. My co-worker's cousin's friend is single. You two would look great together. And if you're a woman you'll definitely hear the follow-up comment about your biological clock ticking and how you must have babies soon. You get the idea. While this is not something that exists only in Asian cultures, I would definitely say that Asian culture, in general, sees marriage and baby-making as an essential part of life. One might even go as far to say that you are shaming yourself and your family by not getting married and not having kids. Obviously, that's not my opinion, because, you know, as long as you're happy and doing what you want, who cares? Today, we will look at how obsessed some people can be about marriage, specifically in China. This is an interesting quote-unquote case of the Shanghai marriage market, and I guess you can say, there is a market for everything nowadays. Let's begin. Before I get to the actual place and what goes on there, I want to get a few terminologies and cultural aspects out of the way. First off, let's not sugarcoat things. Chinese culture has always been more in favor of men than women. Less so nowadays, but 
in general, you can still see how it plays into everyday life, whether intentionally or simply carried over from history. Have you ever heard of the term leftover woman or man? This is an easy one, but quite an odd way to label someone. If you're someone over the age of around 25 and you're still single with no plans for marriage, you might be considered a leftover person. It definitely has a negative connotation to it, like, oh, all the good ones have been snatched up and are married, so for whatever reason, you've been left behind. You're not part of the mainstream. All the good ones have been taken. And then, there's you. The one no one wants, the leftover food in the fridge that will spoil and get thrown out eventually. Quite harsh, isn't it? I would say this term is more commonly used for women than men, because unmarried women are considered more of an urgent case. This is most likely due to childbearing limitations, and the fact that women's youth and beauty have been heavily hammered into our minds. It's more common to hear about how men age like fine wine, but once a woman is no longer young, it's all downhill from here. Think of all these beauty products and ads we see heavily focusing on women's looks, youth, and beauty. This has definitely created a craze for skincare products in East Asia, and the beauty standards can be very toxic. The male-to-female ratio is also quite off-balance in China, and some have even labeled China as having a female shortage. You can probably blame this on the one-child policy China had for years, where people were not just limited to having one child, but they would much rather have a son than a daughter, especially farming families. You may have also heard of these horrible stories of people killing baby girls because they turned out to be... A girl. In Chinese culture, parents tend to stay heavily invested in their children's lives, no matter their age. I believe this may be the case for many other Asian cultures as well. None of that, you turn 18, you move out, pay for yourself, etc. It's not necessarily good or bad. If you need to move out because of school or work, then you move out. If you don't have to, Most times, parents won't force you to leave. It's a way to stay close to family and help out around the house when necessary. Also a good way to save money. It's not uncommon for unmarried children to live with their parents for a long time into adulthood. And even when heterosexual couples get married, the wife sometimes just moves in with the man's family. Because, you know, it's all in favor of the man. In English... We use the term get married to someone when referring to marriage, but in Chinese, there's a distinct term for both men and women. There's no direct translation, but when a woman marries a man, the verb used is jia, which I would say is close to transfer, and in this case, transferring a woman to a man. As for when a man marries a woman, the word is chu which is a verb similar to take, to bring into, so bringing the woman into the man's life. I tend to avoid these words because I don't like the idea behind it. That's just a preference, though, because most people nowadays don't use those words in that sense. It's just language. But moving in with your in-laws, as you can imagine, 
can cause a lot of issues between the couple, especially between the wife and the husband's parents. Sometimes, distance can be the best lubricant for a peaceful relationship. So I've talked about how women are perceived when they're not married and why they are pressured. Some parents feel shame when they have an unmarried, older child. But what about men? Aside from the obvious fact that many people just strongly desire grandchildren and see it as an accomplishment, many parents will also get worried if their sons aren't getting married. For one, China has a long history, and that is linked to the whole family lineage. There's a specific term in Chinese about passing on your roots and connecting your lineage. So in a sense, it is seen as an of course rather than an if you want. The older generation definitely see marriages and having kids as a combo. So the whole getting married past your 30s and choosing not to have kids can be a huge shock to the older generation. Society, again, is more patriarchal, so the children generally take the father's last name. There's a different term for your grandchild from your son and from your daughter, where a grandchild from your son is roughly translated to as inner grandchild, but a grandchild from your daughter is called an outer grandchild. I think with the whole inner and outer terms, we can tell how society views the difference between men and women, as if grandchildren from your son are more legitimate. Interestingly, my mother told me the opposite. She said grandchildren from your daughter definitely feels a lot closer, because it's like a direct line of giving birth. Grandma births daughter, daughter births child. Like, there's no confusion. You know for sure. That's your grandchild, and the grandchild kind of came indirectly from the grandmother. Does that make sense? Anyway, I believe that's a good chunk of background on low-key sexism and marriage in Chinese culture. Let's move on to the main bits. Now that we have some background, let's discuss the actual location of today's episode. Shanghai is a major city in eastern China's central coast. It's said to be the biggest city in China and a major city for finance, business, science, tech, tourism, and culture. Like if you wanted to go to China and see one city, I would say many people would choose Shanghai because of its popularity and accessibility. It's modern, but also has managed to preserve a lot of its culture and history. In a way, you get to see the past and the present in one place. The Shanghai Marriage Market is held in one corner of the People's Park in the center of Shanghai, every single weekend. In a way, it's kind of like Tinder in real life, but instead of looking at people's profiles online and swiping, you see it on posters and flyers. But no... This is not a place where singles mingle and meet other single people. This is mostly where parents of unmarried children gather and try to quote-unquote promote their children, or perhaps where they go search for a suitable candidate for their unmarried child. In a way, it's not shocking because more shocking things have happened around the world. Is it weird? Maybe. Depends on your shock tolerance and values. In some ways, I understand their desperation. It's not their fault for wanting their children to get married. Maybe that's how they were brought up. This way of thinking is all they know, and it's hard to change your core values. 
They may also understand the long-term benefits of marriage, probably, like combined finances, companionship, and support. But how would you feel if your parents took your life resume to this park, set up shop in a corner, and displayed you like a merchandise? Knowing how obsessed Chinese parents can be with their children's affairs, it's honestly surprising for me to learn that these type of marriage markets did not start until the year 2004, and not like hundreds of years ago. I mean, there probably was a version of it, but maybe back in the day, they did more arranged marriages, where children had literally no choice. So the marriage market might kind of be like an evolved version of this. But how did this evolution take place, and where did it start? Let's get in the time machine and go back to the year 2004, where Shrek 2 made headlines around the world. While I can't confirm the exact way it started, here's a theory I found online. So it's very common to see older people hanging out together in parks around China. These people are usually retired, have lots of free time, so like most people, they look for things to do. I've been around parks in Beijing, and I can attest that this is absolutely true. These retirees have a wide range of activities going on, including doing Tai Chi, dancing, playing Chinese checkers and such games, or, you know, just sitting around, snacking, and having animated conversations. So a group of older people have been gathering for a while at a park called Longtan Park in Beijing, and they've gotten to know each other pretty well. So they sit around and they gossip. And by gossip, I mean they talk about their family, their kids, everything. They know who have kids that are still single, where their kids went to school, and what their kids do for work. During these gatherings, a lot of them noticed that they shared one specific thing in common. Many of their children were nearing their late 20s and Horrifically, they were still nowhere near marriage. In the midst of these oversharings and complaining sessions, they started to notice, Hey, Mr. Lee's son is about the same age as Mr. Wu's daughter, and they're both single. Maybe they should hook their kids up and see how it works out. Thus began the whole matchmaking in a park thing. Many parents with single children began to show up as well, all of them with the intention of finding a suitable candidate for their kids. This matchmaking activity began to gain popularity, and soon word was spread, where similar marriage markets began popping up in many large cities across China, and one of them being, of course, Shanghai. So what is it like in these marriage markets? I have never been to one, but after reviewing many accounts from those who have, Here's a general rundown of what you will find. Upon entering the market on the weekends, you will see many people sitting along the pathway, no different from what you would see in a farmer's market, for example. Most of the people present are parents of older Gen Z kids, millennials, and younger generation X kids. You may also find people offering their services to you as a third-party marriage broker where they promise to find you the person of your dreams. Fortune tellers are also present because Chinese people can be very superstitious 
and they need to know if their children's Chinese zodiacs, names, and birth dates are compatible. So what's the setup like? Parents will have flyers and posters, and a common tool used is an umbrella, where they stick a flyer of their kid on it, facing the pathway. Relevant information is provided, like their age, height, job, salary, school, location, and contact information. Pictures are not guaranteed. I know, it feels a bit exposed, right? Like all these random people seeing your background and photo kind of makes you wonder what they're thinking about or if they're secretly judging you. Do they think you're too short? Your job sucks? Or you make too little? But then again, most people are probably on social media, so it might not be a big deal to them. There are two other common things you may find on these flyers. One is requirements, as in what they're looking for in a partner, and the second one is what they're willing to offer. Of course, one has the right to have standards, and to be able to stand out in an ocean of single people, throwing in a little something extra is always a plus. As you already know, Men and women tend to have different requirements and different things to offer in any relationship. This is, of course, geared towards heterosexual relationships. So what do men tend to look for? Because society is still rather traditional and marriage markets are basically run by their parents, it is very normal to see rather old-school requirements. For example, men tend to seek out women who are homemakers or quote-unquote, wife, mother, material. Surprisingly, many also have a height requirement, and not necessarily because they don't like short women, but because they want tall genes in the family so their future kids won't be short. This also applies to their educational background. While some may list a good university as a requirement, others may ask for a woman with a stable and clean income. I guess education in this sense means the woman is smart, and therefore their children will have a better chance of being smart. I know, where you go to school is not a complete indication of intelligence, but I guess it's a good indication for when you don't know the person at all. Or at least it proves that you're a hard worker, because good universities in China can be hard to get into. Men will also tend to ask for women who are Quote, clean and pleasant looking, unquote. It sounds vague, but I guess it just means a nice-looking woman who they can bring home to meet the parents. So a woman with blue hair and piercings and tattoos might not really fit the profile. Modesty is key. As for women, the requirements can be quite similar, but the differences can make finding a partner more difficult for them. Aside from the basics I mentioned like height, career, and education, women tend to look for more financially stable men. Requirements could include must own a house, must have a certain amount in savings, must not be in debt, and must be able to provide reverse dowry, or a bride price. This is where a man offers up a certain amount of money or some type of gift to the woman's family, almost like Hey, I'm buying this woman. Here's your payment. Or that's how it seems to me. Men tend to look for wifey material, while women look for men who 
who are financially stable. I should also mention that marriage markets can be very diverse. It's not necessarily just parents with kids in their 20s or 30s. Sometimes you get older people looking for love as well. There are widows, widowers, divorced people with or without kids. This demographic, though, adds a bit more complexity to the situation. Sometimes people are not interested in those who have been divorced or have children. It might mean complicated relationships, people with baggage, or perhaps taking on more responsibilities. Divorced women can also come off as a bit of a no-no, especially if they have sons. Being divorced means you failed a marriage once, and that reflects badly on her. In these traditional and more patriarchal societies, it's not uncommon to see women shunned for this. Also, having a son is even less desirable because sons have first priority when it comes to inheritance, and some single childless men find it to be kind of risky. As for daughters, once they're married, they're generally cut off when it comes to family inheritance. Remember, this is not a blanket statement. This does not apply to everyone. Obviously, there's nothing wrong with their requirements, because if one gender is willing to ask, they cannot logically expect the other gender to not have their own asks. Like most marriages, there are gives and takes. Traditionally, we see the men provide for the family financially, and women provide family care. In this economy, though, it's unlikely a woman will stay home and be a homemaker. And even if finances weren't an issue, many women have higher education, great careers, or simply like to work. Most people who are trying to date, whether online or in real life, also have standards. But when meeting people from marriage markets, everything is up front. This is what I want, and this is what you'll get. No guesswork involved. It might sound a bit off-putting and not very romantic, but I guess desperate times can call for desperate measures. In a way, though, it's a lot more efficient than seeing someone for weeks or months, only to later realize you two hold fundamentally different opinions on non-negotiable requirements. But even if it's efficient, it's also a very incomplete way to get to know someone. These listings usually don't talk about their hobbies, their personalities, or what they're passionate about. While you do see a lot of parents at these parks, there are some parents who are not a fan of this method. One father had commented that it doesn't feel right to have a child reduced to a piece of paper, essentially having their parents as a gatekeeper. This father believes that relationships and marriages require sincerity and willingness, and marriage markets kind of take that away from them. In a way, we can call the parents in these parks marriage brokers, except they're more biased and heavily invested. If a mom is looking for a son-in-law, she's not simply looking at what's written on the piece of paper. She herself has to like this person as he will become a part of her family as well. And since marriage is a family affair, she will also need to get along with the parents of the potential suitor. Since these marriage markets are mostly dominated by parents, it's easy for them to determine whether their families will get along or not. Even if someone is perfect on paper, but the parents don't vibe, that would probably be a no. But just because a parent finds someone they really like, 
it also doesn't mean their child would have to go for it. Think of it as a stage one kind of thing. Just because your mom likes this person on this flyer, you can still tell her no thank you. But if you're open to it, then you move on to stage two, where you reach out and see what happens. But just because you reach out, it doesn't mean the other party is interested. If you both happen to be willing participants, it also does not guarantee chemistry. So in the end, you can just easily end up back to square one. That's not so different from normal dating, right? We date people for months and sometimes years, only to break up. But via the marriage market route, you're way less invested, and it can take as many as days or weeks tops to know if this person is worth your time or not. You get the marriage, child, money talk all out of the way instead of waiting around to figure out if the person is serious about you. What would you prefer? One question that you might have is, why are their parents out there recruiting spouses for them? Is it because they're unwanted, so they resort to this method? Some might immediately think, well, there has to be a catch. Surprisingly, a lot of these flyers feature highly educated individuals who graduated from top universities with stable jobs like government workers, doctors, tech bros, etc. I wouldn't be surprised if people assume the worst, like, there's gotta be something inherently wrong with these individuals, because if they're such a catch, why are they still single? While that could be true to some extent, there could be various factors that's stopping them from reaching marriage or a stable relationship. First, you've probably noticed that more women have been obtaining higher education, which also leads to them working. While work and marriage can definitely go hand in hand, work culture can really hold people back. Think long hours, stress, gender inequality, etc. Getting married will most likely lead to having children, and sometimes that can hinder a woman's career, whether she likes it or not. It's a no-win situation sometimes. If you're young and unmarried, employers will wonder, hmm, will she suddenly get married, quit her job, and have kids? Will this training be a waste of time? If she's married with no kids, employers might think, well, what if she gets pregnant immediately after she starts working and has to take time off again? If she's a married woman with kids, employers might also wonder, hmm, will she be able to focus on this job with all this other responsibility? You get the idea. This, of course, may not be limited to just China. Some of my friends and I have experienced very questionable job interviews in the past in Taiwan. My friend was once asked if she had plans to get married soon, which is an overstep and unrelated to the actual interview. Obviously, this is not a blanket statement. A detective came and knocked on the door, and I said, is it Renee? And he just gave me that solemn look. It was the worst day ever. The Proof Podcast is back with a new case and a new season. 23 years ago, 18-year-old Renee Ramos went missing. Her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town. I don't think that they arrested the right people. It's about time somebody's trying to do something. She had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered. They are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. 
You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me damn near my whole life. You can listen now to season two of Proof, wherever you get your podcasts. And follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask, did you kill Renee? American Criminal is a new true crime podcast from the studio behind American Scandal and American History Tellers. Every week, you'll fall deeper into the riveting stories of the country's most clever, craven, and cruel criminals. Fraud, theft, murder, and worse. Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the whole story until now. The debut season tackles one of the most sensational cases of the 20th century, the Menendez murders. In 1989, young Lyle and Eric Menendez brutally shot their own parents. Prosecutors and the press said it was a multi-million dollar inheritance that led two greedy rich kids to murder. But the picture-perfect facade this Hollywood family built hid troubling abuse. Could these teenagers have been driven to kill? Or was it even in self-defense? Listen now. Go to AmericanCriminal.com or search for and follow American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. And even if some companies think this way, they can't actually never hire a woman. So even if the work environment is not as sexist as it was, it's hard to completely overcome this fear. This also leads to the whole three highs, as they call it in Chinese. Which three? High education, high wages, and good looks. When a woman has all three, it's inevitable that they would also want to find a partner who share these similarities, which means they are a lot more selective when it comes to marriage. Some women might have really high standards, while some others just realize, well, I don't actually need to get married because I can rely on myself. Let's also not forget that traditionally speaking, women tend to marry into the man's family, which means taking on more responsibility with caring for his parents and being more domestic. In this day and age, it really doesn't sound very appealing. You get married, and not only do you have to care for yourself and your husband, you also have to work, do domestic chores, and be a good daughter-in-law. That's a lot. Conflict and unhappiness can stem from these situations. So, some women just simply decide that marriage is not their priority. We should mention again the women-to-men ratio and how there are more men than women available. This unbalanced ratio makes it more difficult for men to find wives, especially for men who live in rural areas. A lot of rural families back in the one-child policy days did not want to have daughters because they didn't find it useful. Sons can work the fields, inherit the land, and get a wife, aka bring in free labor. For daughters, they don't work the fields. They're not as competent. And when they get married, they basically belong to the husband's family. In other words, daughters are kind of a terrible deal. So, with women getting more selective and less inclined to get married, the market for marriage is definitely shaky. But again, do people have to get married? I guess it depends on your beliefs and how you view marriage. While it's still the norm to do so, I certainly think it's totally cool to live the way you want to live. You know, single or not, as long as you're doing what makes you happy. 
So in short, there's really nothing wrong with those who are being marketed in these marriage markets. They're just people who are too busy to date, or people who are less enthusiastic, or, you know, people with nosy parents. Of course, that's not to say there aren't people out there who are genuinely looking for marriage. Maybe they spent too much time working, studying, and before they knew it, everyone around them was paired up. Maybe dating apps are too casual for them. Maybe they are pressured by their family. And maybe they just never came across someone suitable for them. Everyone has their own story, but for those who are seriously looking for a connection, they can feel kind of dejected especially for women. Once they hit 30, they feel like no one will want them, regardless of how much money they make or how nice they are. Worst of all, random people will never fail to remind you that the clock is still ticking. I've come across a few bloggers who've documented their experiences at these markets. One woman from China had a flyer for herself. She was 32, around 5'2", or 158 centimeters tall, and 100 pounds, or 45 kilograms. She owns a house, makes a decent amount of money. Her requirements for a future husband was to have an undergrad degree, has to be from a certain area, 175 centimeters, or 5'9", and taller, and willing to provide a reverse dowry. This is actually a pretty normal type of flyer. It's not over the top. But while she was at the market, a man approached her and began to lecture her. He told her, You're already 32. How do you expect anyone to agree to your terms? Why can't you women wake up? Don't you know how much you're worth? Look at all you leftover women, and you're not that young either. This guy basically went all incel on her. In another instance, two young influencers dolled themselves up and wore rather revealing clothing to the market. Nothing wrong with that, but as you know, it's mostly parents who are at these markets, so if they're traditional people, you can guess how they might react. A man told them rather nicely that they would have better luck if they dressed more modestly, because this place is filled with parents, and if they don't like you, you have no chance. He also told the girls that they can dress as revealing as they want when they go on dates, but not here. Another woman decided to experiment in this market by marketing herself. She intentionally left out her age on her flyer, but she listed everything else, and she does have plenty to offer. People began to notice her, and when they asked her for her age, she told them she was 34. All the parents' reactions were similar. They showed pity, confusion, and some even called her courageous. One older man told her if she had shown up a few years earlier, she would have had a line of suitors. Another man told her that her education was a waste of time, that girls don't need to get master's degrees. Look at where all that studying got you. Single at 34. I'm sure she knew what she was getting herself into, but sometimes the best way to find out is to experience it yourself. I don't doubt that a lot of these words hurt at the time, but it's good to keep in mind that this is just one view of the world. And it really doesn't represent how everyone views unmarried women past a certain age. So, there you have it. 
a short intro into marriage markets in China, specifically Shanghai, and all the bits and pieces that come with it. There are so many countries experiencing lower marriage and birth rates, and I wouldn't be surprised if they shared certain similarities to what we covered today. For example, South Korea currently has the lowest fertility and marriage rates in the entire world, and it's been declining for years. Part of it has to do with how expensive everything is nowadays, how much effort it takes when dealing with marriages and parenthood. And for women, there's always gender inequality. Back in the day, women couldn't work or own property, so the natural course of life was to marry a man to provide for them. Times are definitely different now, and many of those who have independence would rather keep that for themselves. People are also getting married at a later age now, so there are just so many reasons why marriage and having children is not a priority. China society is definitely facing a population crisis, and I don't mean that they don't have enough people. The aging population is outnumbering the younger population by a lot, and while the government is working hard to change that, it may take more than some extra cash per child incentive and whatnot. These changes take years, and with all I've mentioned and with how the economy is going, it's not that shocking that people will opt for one child only, or sometimes none at all. Would you ever consider putting yourself out there in a marriage market? I'm already married, and I got married in my mid-30s, but if I were single, this is probably not something I would consider. I have no hate for anyone who would do this, because we're all different, and we have different wants and needs. With that said, thank you for tuning in to this episode. I know it wasn't my usual content, but hopefully this was interesting. Remember to live your life and do what makes you happy, but obviously within reason. And also, remember to be safe. Till next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Asian Madness Podcast. If you enjoyed my content, please rate and review me on iTunes. If you would like to get in touch with me, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or email me at asianmadnesspod at gmail.com. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 